Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Before we get started, this is just a reminder that this week's episode is a continuation of Amanda's birth stories from last week. If you haven't listened to part one of her story yet, go back and check that out as she tells us about her cesarean and her first HBAC. Then come back and listen to this week's episode to hear her next two HBAC stories. We're just going to jump right back in where we left off last week after Amanda was telling us about how incredible it was to have her daughter present during her first HBAC. The other two, uh, I'll tell you straight up front, they were surprises. Again, my husband said we were done. We had a girl, we had a boy, he was done. And then we had the opportunity to move from California, which California has a way of um, controlling what you'll do because of the cost of living. So when my son was born, we were four people living in a one bedroom apartment. And that was really all we could afford. And when we had the opportunity to move out of California, somebody, as we were like moving things out of our apartment, somebody asked my husband like, Hey, so since you're moving somewhere where the cost of living isn't so high, will you guys be having more kids? And I just kind of smiled. Like I'm not answering that question. That's not my question to answer. Cause I'm not the one who says we're done. But he answered and he said, well, if God wants us to have another child, I guess we'll like, he's like, I'm fine with where we're at. But if, if he wants us to have more then I guess we'll have more, I was pregnant the next month. I was like, yeah, God answered that really quickly. (laughs) Um, And which our third, our third child, her name is Eliana, which means um, our God has answered. (laughs) Just as a side note. So we didn't find out if we were having a boy or a girl. We had a boy, but Eliana was my girl name. Oh, I love it. That is so cute. Oh, I found out with all of mine, except for the last one. So with my first, because we were in California and my mom and my, like, we didn't have any family around us. I was like, no, I need to know because that way people can get things beforehand. And then we are not scrambling to have things after the baby's born. Right. So that was my reasoning with the first. And then with the second, like he wanted a boy. So I wanted to know, (laughs) like, I didn't want to be like in labor and be like, oh no, it's a girl. Right. Like we wanted to be prepared. So I found out with that one. And then with the third, I wasn't going to find out. In fact, with the third pregnancy, so right now I've gone through a pregnancy where I did all the things that the OB asked me to. I followed all the rules and ended up in a C-section. With the second, I had OB and midwife care and had my home birth. Oh, I forgot the best part. So I, I told you I missed my 39-week appointment. And then the next Tuesday, so they called me on Wednesday and were like, Hey, you missed your appointment yesterday. We need to get that rescheduled. And I was like, okay, I'll, um, I'll call you back to reschedule that. Cause now, like, I think I was driving when they called. So I was like, um, I'm driving right now. Um, can I call you back to reschedule? And then I, you know, mom brain again, I forgot. So then the next week 
Tuesday and they're like, they called me and they're like, Hey, you never called to reschedule your appointment. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I had my son at home on Saturday. <laughs> you were probably like, what the heck? And they're like, Oh, you did. Okay. We'll let doctor know. <laughs> like, okay. like, I was like, that was the best redemption ever. Like mm -hmm. that was healing on top of healing, right? Because first I got that experience of, I think like of the positioning that I labored in and the gave birth in and then being able to move the way I did, right? Like seconds after he was out and then being able to tell the doctor, like healing on top of healing. Like I was like, that was the best experience ever. So then in my third pregnancy, we had moved right? We had moved out of California. We get to, to where we're moving to, we get to Missouri and the place that I had lined up for us to live fell through. So we were homeless, <laughs> but my mom, which is funny. My mom was like, so excited about us being only four hours away, four and a half hours away that she decided to jump in her car and drive down to surprise us. So I was like, well, surprises on you, mom, we're homeless. <laughs> so we stayed in a hotel for a couple of days and then we just decided we were just going to go stay at my mom's because my husband, before we moved from California had broke his foot and he couldn't work. He couldn't do the job that he was hired to do that gave us the opportunity to move. So we ended up just we like he's in recovery. His boss is like, okay, that's fine. You know, go stay with her, her mom for a while and you guys can figure it out. So we're in Iowa. We're trying to find a place to live in Missouri. We're like, and this place we're trying to find a place to live in Missouri is not on the map online, which made it really hard because <laughs> we knew nobody in the area except for the boss and his family. And so we had a really hard time. And so what we ended up doing was we ended up buying a house. So we buy a house in Missouri, we get moved again. But in that time of going to stay at my mom's, we found out I was pregnant. So my husband was unhappy because he's like, the timing is messed up. Like, I can't work. We have nowhere to live. <laughs> he's like, this is not good timing. But because of all that going on, I honestly, I didn't even try to find a doctor. I didn't try to find a midwife. I was like, I'll wait until we're moved into our house and we have everything under control in that area. Like, I'm like, I'm not even going to worry about this. Look, my body's already done this twice. I know that it knows what it's doing. It doesn't need any help. So we move, we get into our house, we get settled in. And then I was due in April. And I think I met with them. Shoot. I don't think I met with the, the midwife until like February. So I went through my entire pregnancy with no care. And she did send me for like, she's like, I'll leave it up to you. But um, she's like, I would feel better if you at least went and got this blood work done. Just so I have like a picture of your overall health and, you know, all that. So no mention of GD tests, no mention of any other tests, anything else, just the basic blood test. So I went in, I did that and that was it. 
didn't have to do anything else. And on January 23rd, so that's my oldest daughter's birthday, I had made an appointment to go get an ultrasound, but because of where we lived, I had, we had to drive into the city. And so my husband was doing cold calling with his company at the time. And so he, we just went to work with him, right? Cause he's just driving around and stopping at places and giving their business information. Right. So that, that worked out perfect because we were able to hang out in the car all day with him and then go to the ultrasound appointment. So we go to the ultrasound appointment and I told them, I was like, I don't want to know, but I want you to tell her like, it's her birthday. She was four. I was like, it's her birthday. So I want you to tell her, but I don't want to know. So we did the ultrasound. She was in there with me. And then I left for them to tell her. And then dad ruined it all because as soon as she got in the car, he's like, so did we find out what we're having? Like, and I had told her like, this is your secret. This is your present. You get to know, but we're not going to find out. But as soon as dad like asked that question, she was like, yeah, it's a girl. (laughs) I was like, why did you ask that? Like, I told you I wasn't going to find out, but I was going to tell them to tell her, like, why did you just do that? So it was his fault. Like, I'm not, I'm not blaming her. Well, of course she was excited to share. Yeah. Yeah. But if he hadn't asked, she wouldn't have shared Mm because I had just talked to her. So I was like, dang it. So then we knew we were having a girl. So with her, like I said, I walked through that entire pregnancy. And the only reason I got that ultrasound, it wasn't because I needed to have an ultrasound. It's because in California, you have to have some kind of proof of pregnancy to register your baby. And in California, like even though I had a midwife, I had to do all the legwork on getting his birth certificate and his social security card. And I had to have like tons of paperwork. (laughs) It was crazy how much I had to have just to get him registered and to get a birth certificate and all that to prove everything. So I didn't know what the rules were here. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to go get an ultrasound. At least that way I have paper on paper proof that I was pregnant. And I did see, I, I uh, interviewed with two different midwives before I made a decision on a midwife. Um, And part of the reason for that was because I didn't click with the first one. And then with the second one, like I clicked, like I felt like there was a better connection, but also the first one, I was already what, 28 weeks pregnant by the time I was looking at midwives. Right. So in my opinion, I wasn't asking for care so much. I was just asking for the labor and delivery. But the first one I talked to, like, there's no discount. This is my price and that's that. And I was like, but I'm not getting anything. But labor, like, labor service, right? So I was like, well, I'm not willing to do that. So the second one, she was like, well, since you're so far along and you're not asking for much, like, this is basically it. And so that's what I did. I I went with her and. Um, we actually ended up doing a free birth, um, not by choice. Uh, I had been having contractions. I had let the midwife know I was having contractions, but they weren't consistent and they weren't long and hard. But I had also been praying for a fast, easy, pain-free birth. And taking that into consideration now, I'm like, oh, yeah, 
I was asking for that, you know, why would they be <laughs> intense and whatever? So I was like, my, my husband literally went to bed. He's like, look, I'm going to bed. I have to work tomorrow. You're not going to have that baby's night. So, you know, you need to cut this out. So I had taken a bath and I was timing contractions while I was in there and they were like three to five minutes apart, but very inconsistent. So I got out of the bath. I laid down in bed and this was the first time I put a pad on before going to bed and I put a Chuck's pad down on my bed. And then I laid down and I was still like timing contractions until I, like I was going to time until I fell asleep and like forgot. And they started spacing out. So they went from three to five and then to seven. But then I was laying there and all of a sudden there was a pop. And I was like, either the baby did just did something really weird or my water just broke. And so my water broke. <laughs> I was like, let me move and we'll see what happens. So I move and water, you know, comes out. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I put this pad on and this Chuck's pad down because it was time. And so I get up and I go to the bathroom and I tell my husband, like, hey, message the midwife, let her know my water broke and everything. And so it's April. And for some reason, it chose to snow. It was a Monday night. And it snowed over the weekend. So there's snow on the ground. My midwife actually lived like an hour and 15 minutes away. But as soon as my water broke again, I'm on the toilet and I'm evacuating. And I looked at my husband and I was like, are you ready to catch this baby? And he goes, how would you like me to catch this baby? You're on the toilet. So finally, like we lay a Chuck's pad on the floor and I get up and I'm just swaying through the contractions. And then I'm like, I'm roaring. I'm roaring again. And he's mad at me because my water broke at 10:53, And so everybody was asleep, but I start yelling and I woke up my son who was 18 months old. He goes to get my son. And as he's like walking out the door, I'm like, I can't do this because in my head, again, with the programming that we, we allow for us to like to hold on to in my head I was like this got intense really quick but if I have to do this for four hours I can't do that because my first experience was four hours right so I'm like I can't do this for four hours this was intense but before he came back into the room or into the bathroom like I put my foot up on the side of the tub to start getting into the tub and I had this like I call it a God nudge, like just a voice in my head. It said, reach down and feel. And I reached down and she was already crowning. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is over. <laughs> this is over. And I, I, I looked at him and I was like, she's here. And he's like, I know she's coming. I was like, no, no, she's here. Like head is there. <laughs> and he was like, oh. So I like crab crawled in the, in the bath. I never actually sat down because it would have scalded her head, but I crab crawled. And so the next contraction comes and you can see a little bit more of her head. And he's like, Amanda, you need to push. I was like, I'm not pushing. I was like, my body is doing this all by itself. And he was like, okay. So 
her head was born on the next contraction. And then I waited and I breathed and I relaxed. And the next contraction came and she was born and she was on my chest and it was 1147. So we were six minutes shy of an hour from my water breaking. And I was like in shock and shaking. (laughs) It was an intense ride that went really fast. And so my midwife didn't make it. My husband delivered her, put her on my chest. I sat down in the water and we put a towel over her. And then he helped me out of the bath and into the bed. And like I was laying up in bed nursing her when the the midwife got there. And at the same time that my husband came back with my son, the look on his face was absolutely priceless. Again, my son, he was 18 months old not scared at all by what was going on. Um, My daughter and my mom came in at the same time. So all four of them are in the bathroom and they witnessed the birth and the look on my son's face when he saw my, my daughter on my chest was just priceless. His face lit up in the smile. He was like, baby, it was phenomenal. And of course, my daughter's like bouncing off the walls. Oh, we got another baby. (laughs) And it was like the best experience because it was just us. It was like amazing. And then we're all in the bed together. And when the midwife comes, like her daughter is uh, training to be a midwife as well. So she's a doula right now. And so it's a mother-daughter team that comes. And so they're like taking care of me. They help me take a shower after the placenta was born, but my midwife gave my mom and my husband and my kids like a complete education on the placenta right there on the bed. (laughs) It's an amazing experience. So that was really smooth. And again, my recovery with that was so like phenomenal. Like I got up out of the bathtub and I walked to my bed and I laid down on my bed and, you know, I was up and down and up and down the stairs and no problem, right? The only downside for this, and this is why I I encourage mothers to take the time to rest and heal, especially that first two weeks. If you can, like, if that's all you can get, then you push for that two weeks. And the reason I say that is because I went right back into my everyday, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a housekeeper, and my husband went back to work. He didn't take any time off. So I was at home alone. Like my mom was there for, you know, the first week, but after that, it was me on my own. And my daughter was 11 days old and I walked to the library, pushing a stroller, wearing her and having my oldest walk. And I didn't allow my body to heal. And now I'm dealing with the repercussions of that. And And it only gets worse because there was another pregnancy after that, right? So like if you don't let your pelvic floor heal, you have like you hear of incontinence later in life. Well, it'll come sooner if you don't allow yourself to heal because I deal with it quite often. And unless I get um, the right chiropractic adjustment, it just is always going to be there. And then, of course, we had a surprise fourth, which to be honest with you, I was, we were tracking my cycles because we didn't want to get pregnant again. And I mean, I was hurt by it. Like, in fact, right before I found out I was pregnant, 
I had just had a conversation where my husband made it very clear that he did not want any more children. And I had just had a conversation with a close friend of ours. We went out on a double date and I said, I'm kind of upset, you know, like he's definitely done and I'm not like, because when I was pregnant with my third, it's interesting because I literally saw myself in a vision cutting vegetables at the same counter and pregnant, but it was like inherent that it wasn't the same pregnancy. <laughs> like I was seeing myself with another pregnancy and I saw the number four and this was before, like I was like 30 eight weeks pregnant with my third. Right. So I was like, Hey, let me have this one first. But <laughs> right, like, I was like, Yeesh. but I did, I had like that out of body moment where I saw myself doing the same thing I was doing in that moment. And I knew it was a different pregnancy. And I was like, and I saw the number four and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And my husband was like, no, we're not having any more. We're not having any more. And so like, there was a part of me that I was really upset that he didn't want anymore. And I had kind of hoped that it would just be something that like he would get over, but he stayed adamant that no, we were done that he didn't want anymore. And then, so I said, we were tracking our, our cycles. And this is another thing, like I said earlier, you, you have no control over when you get pregnant because I knew I had ovulated and I knew when, right? Like I knew I was tracking these things. And then we had unprotected sex and I, we were outside of that window, according to my calculations, according to all the things we were outside of that window and I ended up pregnant and I know exactly when it happened. And I was like, no, it's impossible. Like there should have been no way that that happened. We conceived at that moment, <laughs> like, no way, but God's plan is better than yours. And it was hard. Like. I I'm very thankful that my, my husband was working pipeline at the time. And he was gone for weeks at a time because he went weeks without talking to me because he was truly upset and didn't want to have another child. So that was really stressful in the beginning. And even throughout, like, even when he was like, he just accepted it and was like, okay, we're just going to move on. He would get like, you could see it. Like it was just, something that rubbed him the wrong way anytime we were talking about the pregnancy. But we didn't find out with this one. We were hoping for another boy so that we would have two and two. And we just went through and I had the same midwife. And I thought, and my husband was like, why are you going to get a midwife? She didn't make it to your birth. And I was like, but I'd rather have the option than not have it. So we contracted her again. And you know, and, and I did the basic, like, I was like, look, I don't want, like, I didn't, I had a couple appointments with her before and that was it. Like no blood work, no testing. Like, she's like, I know you, you're going to do this. Everything's fine. Like, I'm not even going to worry about you. She's like, if you feel like you need an appointment with me, we'll schedule it. We'll meet up. And so that was how I walked through this last pregnancy was just, just that, like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. There's a baby growing in my belly, but this is a completely natural process in life. And, um, I had, I had an ultrasound, um, at one point and, and it was kind of like, and this is a funny, like an, a thing because people don't think about this, but when 
as you get older, your body starts spitting out more eggs because as you get older, you're going to get to that point where you're menopausal or perimenopausal and your body wants to shed because it has all the eggs it needs when you're born, but it wants to get rid of them in the end. Right. So you start like spitting eggs out faster than you normally would. So your, your chances of having twins later in life is higher. And my pregnancy was going so different. Like this time it wasn't, I never had symptoms, but I felt different. Like things were hurting me more. (laughs) I was having more discomfort throughout like early on and just different things. So I was at some point I was like, I need to have an ultrasound just to make sure I don't have twins or just to like, not make sure I don't have twins, but I needed to know, like, if there was twins, I wanted to know this, but I didn't want to know boy, girl, or anything like that. So my midwife had actually just gotten a portable uh, ultrasound machine. So it's just a, it's, it's nothing pretty. It's like, it doesn't give you real pretty pictures or anything like that, but she did an ultrasound and she's like, yeah, there's only one in there. So that cleared my mind. Like I was like, okay, I can, you know, do this. I, that was like almost the only appointment I had with her towards the end of my pregnancy. At one point I was like, you know what? I probably should stop going places with three kids by myself because my labors go quickly. What am I going to do if I'm out my water breaks and I have three kids with me and I have to get to my car and I was like, okay, I can like, whatever. So then my mom came to stay with us. And so then my mom would go everywhere with me and I was having contractions on and off, but nothing really like to start tracking or anything. And it was like, man, I just don't know. My husband's job had a Christmas party on January 4th. And I was like, well, let's go. Like nothing's going on. Let's go have a last date night before baby comes and, you know, we'll have a good dinner and it's all free. Come on, let's go. I'm glad we went. I got dressed up, did the makeup, you know, we did the thing. We were going on date night and we had steak dinner. It was really good. Like all the things. And I had a glass of wine. I was like, look, my due date was yesterday. (laughs) I'm having a glass of wine. I'm relaxing. I did some dancing. I went to the bathroom a bazillion times. We had a good time. And then I, at some point, like when I couldn't stop going to the bathroom every five minutes, I was like, I think it's time to go. And it was funny because my husband made me drive my big, huge Yukon instead of taking my mom's little car. Because he's like, no, because if you go into, he's like, if something happens and you go into labor, we're not going to make a mess of your mom's car. So that night and we got home and I was having contractions and he got pretty drunk, like not drunk, drunk, but he got drunk, you know, more than, okay. We don't drink. We're not regular drinkers, but he was like, Hey, it's free. <laughs> have fun. So he had a little bit more to drink than I would have liked, but I drove home. We were talking the whole time. We had a good time. We get home. We sat down on the couch for a while and I was having contractions and I was like, okay. They're not intense, but they're there. That's good. That's good. And he was getting, so the next day was Sunday 
And he had been told that he would be off like all of January, basically, or that he would be local all of January. So he hadn't told his boss that he might like that he would be taking two weeks off because he figured, well, we're local anyways, it's not going to affect anything. And then the week before she was born, he got a phone call or a text message saying, hey, you're going out on Monday, pack your bags for the week. And so here we are, it's Saturday, early Sunday morning, and nothing has happened. And I'm like, I have to have this baby. He's going to leave. And I'm going to have this baby when he's not here. And I don't like that at all. So Sunday, I'm like on the yoga ball, I'm doing hip circles, I'm uh, doing all the things. And like I had texted my midwife, I was like, look, I like I'm having contractions, but nothing is really happening. I like, I want this baby to be born today. And I'm not one to, to say like induce your own labor, because that's, I don't recommend that. (laughs) But I was in a position where I knew that I wouldn't make it another week. Like I knew that this was going to happen, but I needed it to happen like now. So I was like applying all the essential oils to all the places that can help your body like get into that phase. And then my, my midwife was like, you can pump. And I was like, I'm not ready to pump. That's just not where I want to go right now. (laughs) Like I was like, I'll pump after the baby's born, but pumping before, I don't want to do that. But dinner came and went and there was still nothing going on. So after dinner, I set myself up and she said to do 25 minutes. And she said to stop at the start of each contraction and then start again after the contraction was over. So that's what I did. So from 6.35 to 7, that is what I did. But by the time I was on that last cycle, I probably should have stopped about 15 minutes in. But I kept going. Like I I was sitting down when I started. But by the time I stopped, I was standing up. They were so intense that it was like, oh, that kind of doesn't feel good. So at seven o'clock I stopped and I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and like that last contraction never really stopped. Like it just kept going and going and going. And and it was in my back. It wasn't as bad as my, with my son, but it was in my back. And I was like, why, 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 why? (laughs) Like, it's like, get out of my back. I don't want you there. Why? And I'm, like I'm almost in tears because I'm like, I, I don't want to do that again. Like, I don't want to do that again. I have experienced that. I don't want that again. But again, like I didn't have my water break this time. So I didn't even realize I was actually in labor. So I'm, I'm going to say this and this is going to shock a lot of people, but I actually like I evacuated and then my husband was like, so what are we doing? Are you staying down here? Or are you going up to your room where we have everything set up? Because this time I had a birthing area, right? Like this time I was completely prepared for, for birth. And so I was like, no, I'm going upstairs. So I like, I don't even remember going up the stairs, to be honest. Like I went from the bathroom to up the stairs, but I remember standing at the top of the stairs and being like, am I going to the bathroom or am I going to the bedroom? And I was like, I'm going in the bedroom. So I went in the bedroom and I get down on the floor in front of, and we turn on all the lights that I had set up, turn on the fireplace, like 
did all the things and I'm sitting there and he's like, would it be more comfortable for you? Cause I was on hands and knees cause it was in my back. And he's like, well, why don't you just like go over to the bed and like lean on your bed? So I did that and we started recording and I just waited. Like it was interesting because when I was downstairs, I realized like, okay, this is like the third time I've experienced transition. Right. But because I had no other like lead up to it this time, I was like, that can't be what's going on already. Right. But it was, I was already in transition. That's, that's why it was so intense in that moment when I was still downstairs. So when I went upstairs and I got into position, like we were ready and we were on the phone with the midwife, she did not make it again. And I was there and we're doing that. Like I'm doing this. Her head is born and I'm just refusing to push. My husband is like, you have to push Amanda. Her face is turning purple or his face. We were saying he, 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 he's like, his face is turning purple. You have to breathe. He's, or you have to push. He's trying to scream. He's trying to cry and he can't. And I was like, hi, well, it's funny. If you watch the video, I always tell people it sounds a little demonic, but I promise you (laughs) it's just me breathing through and telling my husband that I am not going to push because my body is doing exactly what it needs to do. And I didn't, I didn't push my body did everything on its own. So the next contraction, like it starts pushing again and the baby is born into daddy's hands. And this whole entire time, my kids are like running around. (laughs) All three of them are like running around around us. My daughter, my husband at one point was like, let me go wash my hands. And my daughter gets down on the floor behind me. She's like got her head, like she's looking up to, to see if she can see the baby yet. And she's like, I'm here. I'm ready to catch. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is hilarious. Cause she wasn't even, she was five. She would have been almost six. Cause she was, she turned six just a couple weeks later. And so it was funny because, you know, we're like, I'm like, I'm not paying attention, but like when I watch the video, it's like, I giggle all the way through because it's just so cute. Like Oberyn, my son is like running around and then he's over here and then he runs and jumps on the bed and he's like, I don't want to see the placenta. And I was like, I love that my three and a half year old knows what a placenta is, right? Like, like, this is awesome. And then after the baby is born, like I move, obviously I have to move again because she, I'm leaning over, he's behind me. So when she was born, he laid her down on the floor and then he was the first one to see that it was a girl, not a boy. But then I moved and I was holding her and I was on the phone with the midwife and my youngest at the time, my, my third, she comes over and she's like, oh, like just that. So cute. You know, there's 20 months between 21 months between them. So she was really cute too. Like, oh, but again, not any, none of them were scared with what was going on. None of them were like concerned. They're like, oh, we're having a baby. And part of that is that I never tried to hide anything from them. Like if I was watching a birth video, they were right there with me watching a birth video. Um, And if you haven't heard of the show called the midwife, it's so fun to watch. 
and my kids watched every episode with me. So um, they're very versed. Uh, in fact, after that, so like the first the first time my midwife didn't show up when she got there and the placenta still hadn't been like hadn't come she was like well that's not always a good thing because it can start to reattach itself like blood clot and then we can have some difficulties and you can get infection so she's like it's just a good idea to like apply some tension on the cord you don't want to pull on it but you apply some tension it just kind of helps it fall away from the uterus wall so with this one I said like I told my husband like I'm holding her and I was like hey I I want you to come and I want you to just put some pressure like tension on the cord and there is a call the midwife episode where a girl is hurt um and the uterus is like pulled inside out by the like the pulling of a cord but that was very poorly not the intention it was just like very poorly explained to the woman who did it and so when I said something about him putting tension on the cord, my daughter comes running around. She's like, do not pull on that cord. <laughs> you oh will hurt her. Like my daughter knows a lot about pregnancy and childbirth. And it's funny because she's seven, you know, but she plays midwife all the time. And That's awesome. Yeah. My kids love to play that they're having babies and nursing babies and all this stuff. But, um, but yeah, so he just applied tension and then the placenta came and we had it in a bowl. And so when the midwife got there, I'm in bed again, you know, no issues. And they weigh her, they like they do all the things, but just in different, like it's laid back, it's relaxed. It's not, there's no pressure. There's no, there's no fear. And, and I think what conveys that the best is like, when I share my video with people, I actually tell them, Hey, just ignore the kids running around, but Hey, notice there's no fear. Like, you know, my kids are right there and they're not scared of what's going on. So why should we be scared of it? Um, because fear is the thing that I see the most in women, whether it comes to, um, childbirth and, people say all the time, well, it's not like what you see on TV and it's not. And everybody is different. Oh, I didn't say what, how long she was at what, what time she was born. So we don't actually know what time she was born, but the time we said was seven twenty. So I started pumping at six thirty-five with nothing really going on at seven o'clock. I had a contraction that never let up seven twenty. She was here she was born and that may not be I mean that may be off by five minutes I don't know but she was here very quickly it was another race it was actually shorter than the the last one right so and my and my midwife was like yeah I guess you shouldn't probably be going anywhere you know everybody is different but you know through each one of my pregnancies like my confidence level just went you know, so in my first home birth, I had that supernatural belief that it was just going to go, it was just going to happen. And there was nothing that could take that belief from me. Then it, with the other ones, like I walked through those pregnancies and those childbirths, like, well, my body knows what it's doing. So I'm just not going to interfere. 
And then when it came to like the burst being so fast, it was like, well, this was completely out of my control anyways. I, I don't think I would have been able to make it even in the small town where we lived, had I planned a, a home a, or a hospital birth, I don't think I would have made it. I mean, I, I guess I could have made it because it was like almost an hour, but I don't know what my experience would have been at a hospital, right? Because I was at home, I was doing my own thing and I was just, you know, it was just me and my husband dancing in the bathroom for 10 minutes and then it was transition and then it was, you know, me waking everybody up <laughs> and then, Hey, we just had a baby. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just a fast process for me. That's not everybody's story, but I think too, that that is because I just know what's happening and I relax in it. Lately, I've shared my birth video with, I think one day, a couple weeks ago, I shared it with like 10 people in the same day. And a couple of people were like, oh my gosh, you make that look so easy. And I was like, I'm not going to say it was easy. <laughs> it taxes all your limits, right? Like it, it just, you don't know what your strength is until you push yourself to that limit. Right. And I was just in a, a state of, I know I can do this. I know my body can do this. This is the third time it's done it. And, um, I know that my body will actually push this baby out on its own and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to exert myself and put pressure on my body to do it. Like it's just going to do it. And so I relax and I'm calm in that moment instead of like tense and anxious about it. And so it looks different on me right? It looks different on me than it looks on the person who's doing it the first time. I think that if I had a video recording of my first home birth and my last home birth, they'd look completely different. But well, And I think you respect the physiology behind yes. birth. And the biggest yes. problem, in my opinion, is that it's not that our bodies don't know what to do. It's that we get in the way of what they're mm -hmm. trying to do. Because we're but not taught that there is a thing called physiological birth and that it is such a natural, like it's like going to the bathroom. Your body tells you, you have to go to the bathroom. You go to the bathroom. Your body tells you when it's time for baby, it's going to do it all by itself. But we're not told. And, and not only that, but over the last a hundred years, we've changed how we listen to our bodies. We're not taught to take care of our bodies and to listen to our bodies in the same way anymore. And OBs are, they're trained surgeons. They have more knowledge on the side of surgery than they do on the side of physiological birth. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I can say this with all confidence because I'm currently reading a book that a doctor wrote in the 1930s where he was astonished by the interventions that were done here in the U.S. He was from England. But he attended a birth of a woman who had a physiological birth. And he was like, wow, you made that look like there was no pain. Like you made that seem like there was no pain. And she's like, well, there wasn't. Was there supposed to be? And he was like, what? 
And so he started looking at things different. And he says, you know, if, if you put a woman in a position where all she's hearing is fear, all she's hearing, there's no connection. There's no personal connection. There's no, there's no like cheering on. There's no consoling. There's no, I guess, what, what does a doula do for you? A doula like speaks into you, gives you positive reinforcement, right? Like where a doctor is like, Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do that. Hey, let's do this. Like there's no personal touch. There's no feeling involved in that. And then with most doctors, there's like that, well, if this doesn't happen, we're going to have to do this. And then you're, you're not even able to be in your physiological mind, Mm -hmm. let alone allowing your physiological birth to happen because there's too many outside things that are affecting that. And I, for one, like was dumbfounded when I realized how broken our system is. And like the further I go, like I see women all the time. Like I had a C-section because they said my baby was big. And I see women today that are getting induced at 37 weeks and getting induced at 39 weeks. In fact, I just had somebody like a few weeks ago, sent me like a picture of a conversation she was having with a friend. And this is a friend that I spoke into years ago when she had a birth with a um, midwife at a birth center. But she speaks into women now too, because she was informed before she got pregnant. So she was able to, to be able to handle that. But she has friends who are like on the other side still. And like, she sends me this this picture of a conversation she's having where this woman is like, well, you know, 39 weeks is the new full term. And I was like, oh, so God has changed things because the medical industry says 39 weeks is now the new full term. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's scary. It's scary because 39 weeks could technically be 37 weeks, depending on when you ovulate and actually conceive. Right, like well, there's and how many doctors calculate a due date based off of when you ovulate because that was something. I mean, I yes. tracked my cycles when I went in. We had an early dating ultrasound, and I had to fight for that. I had to say, oh. nope, there is no way that I conceived a week earlier than I actually did. Yep, because that's yep, not you, I ovulated. Yeah. They are definitely using a broken system for calculating, and. Not only that, but I think with all the apps available today, I think most women are tracking their cycles and at least have an idea mm-hmm. of when they got pregnant, right? And so if they have a date of conception, I think that that date of conception should be used, you know, in all calculations. And, you know, the whole, like, there's so many ways that they use to instill fear oh well you're you're narrow wasted your pelvis is small oh your husband's a big guy so you're gonna have a big baby or you have gestational oh the the one I the one I hear now is like who has had a v-back with a high bmi and I'm like I hit 200 with all three of all four of mine I'm sorry but being overweight should not be I mean, yes, it could have medical influence over your pregnancy, 
But if you and the baby have walked through this pregnancy without any issues, unless there's evidence-based medical reasons for you to have a C-section, then you don't have to have one, right? Your body still knows what it's doing, even though it's heavier than it, you want it to be or it should be, right? Like, I think that we allow the, our medical system to speak over us in a way that takes away our power. And this is a conversation that the next time you go to the doctor's office, whatever doctor you go to, I want you to actually listen to how they're speaking to you. Are they speaking at you? Or are they speaking with you? The difference is, are they telling you what you have to do? Or are they laying options out and explaining them to you and giving you the choice to make a decision for yourself? Because we are so quick in today's society to give up our autonomy in the name of my doctor said, my doctors told me this, my doctor said this, we're owning what they've told us. But have you ever realized that a doctor is a paid service? You have the ultimate say in your own care. And it's always a doctor's opinion. And most doctors will tell you, well, you can always go get a second opinion. It's an opinion based on what they can see in front of them. However, it's not always the answer. And you have the ability to read and learn on your own, just like I have. And a lot of women have. And that's why this podcast is here. Because women started to learn and said, something's not right here. And we've done things differently because of the knowledge we now have. Doctors can't take away our power. They may not like that, but unfortunately in medical school today, they're taught that the conversation should not be open-ended. They're actually, actually taught how to talk to us in a way that takes away our thinking, we have an, a, a choice, right? They talk to us in a, well, this is what you have to do. Or at your next appointment, we are going to blah, 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 blah. It's not a, well, this is what's normally done, or this is what's recommended. What would you like to do? Because that's what they're trained to do. They're trained to control the conversation. But when you take knowledge in with you, they can't do that. And just so. as a side conversation to that, I've talked to a couple women through connections I've made through this podcast and a couple these women that I talked to are nurses and they've actually mm -hmm. told me that their hospital, the hospital that they work at, provided a training for how to deal with moms who come in that have a doula with them. Mm. And if the doula starts making suggestions, the nurse is supposed to somehow get them up, like get her to go to the bathroom or somehow separate her from the doula for a minute, ask the doula to go fill up her water, grab her a snack, whatever it is, and then takes whatever the doula says and turns it so that it's coming from the nurse and not coming from the doula. So not even necessarily like sometimes it's just dismissing whatever the doula says, but mm -hmm. other times it's say the doula suggested like, okay, let's, why don't we go for a walk? Let's get you out of the room a little bit. Let's change your scenery, change the pace a little bit. Just try to get like a refresh mm -hmm. or a restart. Then the nurse is supposed to take that and then turn it into, oh, why don't I go walk the halls with you for an hour? Let's go do this. I think it might really help your baby, blah, 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 whatever. 
because for whatever reason, there's sometimes this like territorial mm. feeling with having a doula come in. Yeah. And it's super mm. unfortunate because a doula has a completely different job than a nurse. And having yep. a doula does not take away from having a nurse. Nope. But it's it's that control or having the power over the conversation yes. and not giving that to the mom. And I, I was shocked when I heard that. Like I was like, what? I know yep. nurses that work at our local hospitals. Like I've never encountered that. But to have a couple nurses tell me that, that I mean, they're elsewhere in the country, but I, it took me a while to digest that because I didn't want to believe it, but that doesn't make it true or that, that, right. that doesn't make it false. I mean, if I, right. just because I don't want to believe it. Right. And that's, that's it. And I have actually experienced that firsthand. I had a friend who reached out to me last year. She was 40 pregnant and she had had two C-sections previously. Um, her youngest is 12 you know, she knew she was forced into both of those C-sections at the hospital, basically. And she was like, I'm not doing that again. And I just told her, I was like, look, you know, your body is capable of what it's capable of, you know that. And so she actually moved from California to Alabama. And she asked me in February, she's like, so are you going to come here in, in April? And I was like, heck yeah. And she was planning, she planned a home birth, but she didn't have a midwife or anybody. It was just who she wanted with her. Everything was perfect. Uh, but she froze up. Uh, she would, she felt like she couldn't move into different positions. Like she, she was just like, I just felt paralyzed in the moment. And so like getting her to move to help things along, wasn't like happening. She requested to go to the the tub we went to the tub we did that for a while and then she got to the point where she's like I can't do this we got to go to the hospital so we ended up transferring to the hospital I saw the looks I saw the rolling of the eyes I saw the conversations that were happening right and then when the doctor checked her baby's head was like right there but we get there and it's like automatically like they are like trying to open her for baby's head to come out and I'm like just like relax, but they're yelling. They're only adding to the level of drama and what's going on. But I got yelled at several times while we were there. And we were only there for like 15 minutes before baby was born, right? Like it wasn't even like we were there for hours. It was like, we're here for this short amount of time, but there was like pressure and, and they're just, they acted like I was there. They, like the hostility was at me. It wasn't at her. It was at me as her doula. Because when we walked in, you know, they're like, are you family? I'm like, I'm her doula. Cause I was like, mm -hmm. I am seeing this through. I drove all this way to be here for her in this moment. And I'm going to be here for her in this moment. And so I was like, I'm her doula. And they're like, okay, doula, let's go. So it was like automatic. <laughs> Mm -hmm. like the hostility and then it never ended even after the baby was born it was like in your face kind of you're lucky you made it when you did oh, and yeah, there like was you saved the day and... yeah there was nothing wrong with the baby but yeah it was it was a crazy experience for me because I haven't been in a hospital birth since my own 
And before that, like that was 20 years ago when I helped my, like I was there when my nephew was born. I was there when uh, like a couple other friends of mine had babies, but the instant we were in there and they had her on the bed and they're running the IV, like the instant switch of conversation to push fear. And I was told at one point I was told I needed to shut up and then after baby was born and they clamped like literally right away clamped. And I was like, wait, 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 can we do, which is like the doctor yelled at me. That was delayed cord clamping. I was like, what in the world did I do? And, but the hostility never left the hostility with that team never left. Like I was never looked at as a friend in that room. And I felt really bad because I was like, first of all, I'm not a trained doula you know, I'm working on that now, but, but I was like, man, if this is what doulas experience, it's amazing that they do what they do and that they choose to do hospital births. Because to be honest with you, I don't know if I could handle that. I don't want to walk in and be an automatic enemy to the team that my, my client is going to have to stand between, right? Because to me, that's not aiding in that mental space at all you know there was definitely some some hostility and anger that we that she was birthing at home however they didn't know that she was birthing at home except for the fact that we said she had been having contractions since like seven o'clock right like they only had the window that we gave them they didn't know that she was intent attempting a home birth right so to me that only made the situation even more crazy because is that how you treat every woman who walks into emergency who's right. in labor? Like we have no control over when we go into labor. So is that how you treat? Honestly, probably. <laughs> and, that's and that's scary. Sad. It it's is. scary mm-hmm. and sad, right? Like that a woman walks into such chaos. <laughs> ca- yes, chaos and trauma and trauma, yeah. right? Because, you know, I- I'll be honest with you. There was uh, like, it just, for me, I was like, that was intense. I don't know that I could do that, like, and deal with that hostility on an ongoing basis. Like, God bless you doulas out there who do. That just seems hard. Just, and, and to me, it's like I said, it's not good for even your client because then they're like, they're the in-between, right? They're like having to combat <laughs> or decide which way they're listening, <laughs> whichever the, the circumstance may be. And I can totally see what the nurses have said to you that they have Mm -hmm. training specific to that because makes total sense with where our medical system is today. But yeah, I, that's why I've created what I've created and started doing what I do because through my experiences and through speaking and sharing my stories, I've come to realize that I have a lot of knowledge And I can speak over any woman and help them to see where they can set boundaries, if nothing else, how they can navigate and advocate for themselves through their pregnancies. And, you know, hey, I'll be the first to say, have a home birth. (laughs) It's totally worth it. It's the best way to go. Like, in my opinion, if I had to do things all over again. I would go with a midwife and a home birth from the get-go. 
but I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I do. And now I share that knowledge. And so, yeah, so it, it's been amazing to be here with you, Rachel. And I'm so glad that you had me. Um, yes, thank you so much just for, I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation too. I really appreciate yeah. you sharing all of your stories and just everything that you've learned along the way. And I, I know we talked about this a little bit when we first started chatting, but I'll definitely add the link to the was it a, a group you said on Facebook? Okay, so I have a group on Facebook. And then, so I just sent you a link. So that link is actually to something that I created. Um, because a lot of people are, I, I see this question asked a lot, like, how do you know? Or like, so if you've had a C-section and you're finding you're, you're ready to start again, or you're pregnant again, and you're you're getting ready to see your OB for the first time. I want you to know, first of all, you can have a, a VBAC just because you had a C-section does not mean your body is broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Your body is amazing, complex, and so strong that you are able to birth the way that you were created to. And I want to speak into that. So I have actually created a free uh, document of three questions you can ask your provider to find out if they are VBAC supportive. And I encourage women to ask these questions, but to ask them face to face, set up a consult with your doctor and do this with several doctors until you find the right connection um, and the right answers. But there's, I created this, it's on my website. There's a link to it and you can go and um, you can get these questions. And then there's more information in my group on Facebook that also has tons of valuable information where I share how to prepare, um, what things to look out for. But my biggest thing is look at all your options. If you are a VBAC or if you are a C-section mom, you can have natural birth and you can do it on your terms. So I encourage you, if you choose to go OB in a hospital, that's totally up to you. And I, I, you know, I, I don't say there's anything wrong with that, but I want you to have the, the provider that's going to actually cheer you on through that process. And so I've created this three questions you can ask to find out if your VBAC or your doctor is VBAC supportive. And that doesn't mean VBAC friendly or VBAC tolerant. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's a, a whole difference. big, huge difference in that. So I want you to find somebody who's going to cheer you on. And I also want to encourage you to not only in interview doctors, interview birth centers, interview midwives in your area. Find out what all your options are and then go with the person who in your gut feels right because your gut, mama, listen to that gut. Mm -hmm. Your gut is an amazing tool at when we learn how to listen to it, there's no end to what's possible. I just want to encourage you. So there's my website and or the link to the three questions and then that's my group name on Facebook. 
And, um, I also am, I am actually now coaching women through pregnancy and childbirth. And then also for like, if you're wanting to conceive it's later in life and you don't want to waste time, uh, with the trying, (laughs) I had to walk through that fertility stage. And so I learned a lot about tracking your system, tracking your cycles and optimizing that. So um, I'm also doing coaching with that so that you can lower your time of trying and being able to get your doctor on board with helping you conceive if you don't conceive within that first three to six months. Well, thank you again. I, I'm really glad, again, like I said, that you were willing to share everything with us today. And it was just nice to sit down and chat and hear all of your stories. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for spreading this message and for being a voice to moms everywhere who have had C-sections. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.